With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Turn up your volume. volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Podcast. With Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty. A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur. Coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon. Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le match troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Monday, February 26th. It is four minutes past 10 p.m. And we are live. We're live on Twitter right now. We're live on Facebook. And even more importantly, we're live on YouTube because YouTube pays us more money than the other two. So tell your friends about it. Tell them to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. And the more people watch, the more money we make. It's a beautiful thing. You're going to want to watch tonight because we're going to get to a lot of your Habs questions. We've noticed over the last little while that a lot of you are asking questions, 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 questions. We can't always get to them. I got a call from Eric Engels from Sportsnet at Sportsnet.ca earlier today. He goes, hey, Tony, you know what? A lot of Habs fans have questions, and the trade deadline is going to be on Friday, March 8th. So why don't we try and get to all of their questions tonight? I said, Eric, we can't get to all of them because there's going to be hundreds and hundreds and maybe even thousands and thousands because I'm expecting to have about a 1,000, maybe 1,200, maybe even 1,500 people watching live tonight because I have a feeling that tonight is going to be a night where I'm going to be absolutely on fire. It is the Sick Podcast, and Marty St. Louis earlier today after practice was asked about his message to the players after the game and how it differs from his message the day uh, the day after a game. And he was asked about Jack Guy's progression. He was asked about what Jordan Harris has to do. He was asked about Caden Primo and his performances. He was asked about 24 games left in the season and what are the objectives. He was asked about David Savard's impact 
on the young defenseman. He was asked about players adapting more or less to his strategies and his uh, system of play. Suzuki was talking as well, and he was asked about, you know, do they have to get back to bases? Arbor Jackai spoke earlier today. There were a lot of players who spoke earlier today, and of course, once again, Marty St. Louis spoke, and our buddy Eric Engels was there and had a chance to ask him a couple of questions. Eric is going to join me in about a minute or two, not before I talk to you about Energy Transportation Group, a leading, full-service, logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different, and they gave me a beautiful water bottle because they love me and because I love them. Also, these guys behind me, La Bête TB, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bête TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bête TB, embrace your true nature and discover a world of luxury at Playground. Explore their new 30,000 square foot expansion with thrilling games, gourmet dining, and live entertainment located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. Playground, experience the strip without the trip. Let's bring him in now. Eric Engels, what's going on? You are on fire. Can you hear me? It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. <laughs> so hopefully we finish strong tonight. Got to be good in the middle too. Second period uh, is usually yes, the trouble. Got to be good in the second yeah, period. And we know the uh, we know the Montreal Canadiens start strong, and we know they have a terrible second period. So hopefully we don't have a terrible second period like the Montreal Canadiens. Now I think the thing that was most impressive about the first four or five minutes of the podcast is I was able to do the reads without my glasses, which I think is the first time that I've been able to do that in the last year. Mind you, I forced my eyes pretty good, and that's probably not a good thing. Uh, but I can't see your cap. What kind of cap is that? I can't see. i got to put on the glasses. golf hat, uh, Travis Matthew. I had to say, you really are on fire. You, you, you sound like you had about three or four brios before coming on here. Uh, brio would have about, I would say, at least 40 grams of sugar in a can of 355 ml. Uh, unless I'm sponsored by Brio and they're giving me big bucks, I'm not drinking Brio. Uh, but I do have to tell you that, you know, one a year or two a year, especially when you're putting down a sub or like three pieces of pizza, uh, it does, uh, it's not bad. All right, okay. Uh, but Labita TV is obviously better. All right, okay. Um, you're at practice earlier today. The Montreal Canadiens are obviously in a slump. They have lost five games in a row. They are three, eight, and one since uh, mid-January. And um, at this point, you know, you, the question is, are the Montreal Canadiens going to finish last in the East? Tune in to find out. 24 games to go. We'll see. Well, so Montreal, I, Ottawa, or Columbus, what do you tell me? Yeah, I, I don't know. Ottawa stinks. I mean, like they played again tonight. And I, I, if, unless that game is not over yet, they were on their way to losing it against Washington just they lost six really, three. Yeah, so hor- horrible kind of defensive play from them, and I don't know if they checked out a long time ago with the way their season started, but it's just uh, they should be a lot better. Although I, I did predict at the beginning of the season they'd be the most likely team in the NHL to disappoint this year, so I'll I'll stand by that one. Um, That's a good call. Senators fans already cool. love me since I chirped Tim Stutzla for diving all over the ice, but. He'll grow up. He'll grow out of that, and he's a pretty talented player. Nobody ever said anything about his talent. It's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, 
incredible. It's through the roof. I think he, you know, as he learns to become a better player with the players around him, he's only going to get better. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where the Habs are going to finish. I look at these five games. You could argue that they're playing better in them than a lot of the games that they won this year. Um, yeah. But it's funny, you know, for a team that has to be mostly focused on its process and development, I think we are at a point where despite everything that Marty St. Louis said about being honest about that process and sticking to it and making sure that that is still relevant in the discussion around the team when they're not achieving the results. I honestly think he would, he and they would take a winning result no matter what fashion it comes in against Arizona. And, and it's of course up against the backdrop that all their fans are hoping that they lose. Um, you know, that's that's the point we've, we've gotten to. The playoffs are out of view. People want the Canadians to lose as many games as possible while putting on a show and getting some entertainment out of it. But the players, man, like, you go through this and you lose five games in a row where you actually played decently enough to win at least a few of them, it starts to, be get, it starts to get heavy. And you just don't want to get into a mode where you start accepting that and thinking, okay, this is okay. Um, I think they would take a win no matter how it came even if their fans want them to lose. You know what? I, I thought Detroit was going to have a disappointing season, and boy, was I wrong, because I think they got 70 points, and I think they're 11th or 12th in the National Hockey League, and they're actually going the opposite direction of the Canadians. They've won five in a row, so man, was I wrong on the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, but anyway, um, tomorrow night, it, it's a battle of, uh, you know, I, I don't, I actually think, and I know you're going to have a different opinion on me than this one, and that's okay. Uh, but I actually think the winner of tomorrow night's game is really the loser. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was just saying. I mean, I think most of the fans, yeah. I don't know why I'm blurry here. Yeah. Are you see me? I'm, yeah, I'm, you got blurry all of a sudden. You started playing with your camera, I think. I don't know. Maybe it's just not plugged in properly here. Yeah. Let's see if we can fix it. Do you want to go in the uh, in the green room here? Let's put you in the green room, and we can try and fix it, all right? Actually, let's put let's put Eric in the green room. And let's try and fix that, all right? Uh, in the meantime, maybe Agnello and um, and uh, Sammy and stuff, maybe what we can do is uh, we can probably uh, get to a uh, question or two. What are we, we're gonna, let's hold on a second. Let me take a look at some of the comments live on YouTube. Uh, okay, uh, I'm gonna, I was just going to text this. I was going to type it, actually, and I'm going to actually say it. I want over 1,200 people live on YouTube tonight. Over 1,200 people. We're not even halfway there. We have 543 watching live on YouTube right now. I want over 1,200 people watching. So call your brother, call your mother, call your sister, call your father, call your cousins, call your friends, call your grandmother, call your grandfather, call everyone. I want over 1,200 people watching on YouTube tonight, okay? Over 1,200 people. That's what I want. And I think, you know what, we can we can pull it off. I think we can pull it off. Over 1,200 people. Let's do this thing, okay? Because tonight I think it's going to be one of those nights where I'm going to go a little bit nuts. All right, Eric is in the green room. Sammy and Yellow are trying to help him uh, to figure out what's going on with his camera. Uh, not only do we do a podcast here, but we play uh, technician as well. The video technician, light technician, everything. All right, okay. Um, okay, let's get to some of uh, the questions that I actually see. Um on uh, YouTube right now. Puerto Bobosh says, you deserve it. Thank you. Uh, Dan says, Tony, do you think Brendan Gallagher will be on the team in two years? Uh, in two years from now? Uh, I'd have to say yes. 
I mean, because the only way he's not is going to be if he's on an LTIR or if they trade him. And how are you going to trade Brendan with that Gallagher, with, with that Gallagher, with that contract? How are you going to trade Brendan with that Gallagher? How are you going to trade Brendan with that contract? Uh, my buddy Wayne called me earlier tonight and he said, uh, my brother heard you guys saying that Brendan Gallagher had one of the worst plus minuses in the league on your podcast. And I said, yeah, we probably said that. He said, yeah, well, he's uh, he's in the same company as Connor Bedard and Steven Stamkos. I said, yeah, well, those guys produce a little bit more, Wayne. And he goes, yeah, but he's still in that company. And I said, Wayne, you're right. He's still in that company. He's also minus six worse than the second worst plus minus for forwards on the Canadians and minus 11 worst, uh, worse than the third worst plus minus for forwards on the Canadians. So anyway, uh, Wayne is a president of the Brendan uh, Gallagher fan club, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, Tony, you need to turn the autofocus off on your camera. I need to, I need to turn the autofocus off on my camera. Okay. So what do I do with my camera? No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to attempt to do that. I'm not going to attempt to do that because then I'm going to screw it all up and I'm going to be gone too. All right. Okay. All right. Um, what did I miss? You were at that press yeah. Well, then nothing. We we're just, um, <laughs> you know, I was saying that I want over 1200 people watching and for everyone to call their, their, their mother, their father, their grandfather, their sister, their cousin, their aunt, their uncle, and uh, all their friends. Um, so you were at that press conference today, and I know that um, you asked about David Savard, and I would imagine that would have been uh, because of an article that you're going to write. I wrote I wrote the article. It came out, and uh, the thrust of the article is very simple. The Canadians obviously value David Savard. They value him for all the reasons you could think of, that he's a mentor. Uh, I really focused in on one play in the game on Saturday where – like he's in a horrible spot. He's three feet in front of Jake Allen. Timo Meyer is coming in with the puck 10 feet away from him after a turnover. And he's the only thing between Jake Allen and the net. And any player in that situation knows that they're either going to get walked around or there's a shot that's coming that's going to hit them in a place where they're pretty vulnerable. And, you know, you'd think they'd at least brace to block the shot. Uh, David Savard just stood his ground and blocked it. And, and it wasn't, he didn't make a move to block it or anything like that. He knew he was in the lane. He knew he was in the right spot, but still he's in no man's land. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And and there's not a lot of players who would do what he did on that play. Like a lot of players, I'm not saying they'd bail out completely, but they'd at least shield themselves. Um, and as Jake Allen said to me, like David's not only has so much guts that he would step in front of that shot and not move from it, he also knows 
that the minute he does move, he's changing the way the chance is going to look for the goaltender, uh, the shot, the angle, everything about it, uh, that it's likely going to end up in the back of the net. And so I, I thought about that, and I thought about how much teams that are contenders covet a player that's willing to sacrifice himself to that degree. And we saw it earlier this year with a shift that he had where you know, he blocks a couple shots, loses a skate blade, yeah. breaks his hand, and he's out for six weeks. But in Buffalo, it just doesn't matter what this is. It doesn't matter if the Canadians had lost four games in a row or if they had won four games in a row. It didn't matter that they were tied 2-2 at that point of the game on Saturday and Meyer was taking that shot or if they were up 5-2 or losing 5-2. Everybody in the building would have expected that David Savard was going to stand his ground on that play and make that block. And there's not a lot of players like that. And that's why when you hear people saying, oh, you don't like, are people really that interested in David Savard? Yes. There are teams that are looking at Chris Tanev and out of Calgary yeah. and saying, we're not, we're not going to get this guy. Only one team could get him. And there's a lot of teams that want him. And we're going to end up kind of looking around and saying, who else is like that? Because if you look at Chris Tanev, that's another guy who's willing to block a, a puck with his teeth to win a game. Yeah. You know, like David Savard is in that unique category. There's a couple defensemen that are hard-nosed, you know, whether it's Matt Dumba or Eric Johnson, who are guys who could be available, yeah. big right-handed defensemen that you might look at as potentially comparable. But even those guys, I don't know if they sell out to the degree that, that Savard does. And the point of the article here is you, you value what he brings to the Canadians, and the Canadians certainly do. They're not just going to give this player away, considering what he's done to mentor the young players here and the role he continues to fill on the team. But you also have to consider if if the value that he has brought to the Canadians has rubbed off to a degree that if the offer does come and it's worthwhile looking at, they just trade him. In my opinion, that's what Ken Hughes should do. You They're going to keep him another year, Eric. They're going to keep. Yeah, him I don't know about year. that. No, no, I don't know about that, Tony. I I think if the proper value is on the table for the player to move. And it's very yeah. hard to say what that'll be until Chris Tanev ends up off the market because he's the one who sets the market, even though Savard is yeah. not a rental and the exact comparable. Okay. You, you you look at it, I think a lot of people are looking at it and saying, why would you trade that guy? Like, you know, look at what he does for young players and this and that. But like all the young players that he's impacted have been here for yeah. two years being impacted by him and Joel Edmondson. And like, it's similar to what was yeah. said by Marty St. Louis after Sean Monahan was traded, you know, like it's not because he's removed from the team that everything he did here and the impact he had goes away. You know, like all these players have learned from David Savard and you have to, the, the, the value proposition from here to the trade deadline for Montreal will be when the phone rings and the offers on the table, is that worth more to you than, you know, are you going to get better value a year from now if you decide to trade him? Okay. So let's talk about that, okay? And are you going to continue to get the value you're getting by keeping them? Okay. Are you going to? That's the other part of the equation because okay, some of these guys have learned already. What? How much more are they going to learn from from David yeah. Savard within that period of time that you just let go of an offer that you know will be better in the next eleven days than it would be yeah. if you waited for a year and then decided to trade? Okay. This is what I know, Eric. I know that David Savard, if he hasn't traded this year. He'll be traded maximum at the very latest trade deadline day next year. I'll let you continue, but I just I disagree with that. By the way, I'll let you continue, but go ahead. So, what are you telling me? You think there's a possibility they're going to extend David Savard's contract? 
No, but there's a possibility they'll let him play it out, especially if they're in a playoff spot and they valued him so much that they decided to hold on to him at this deadline. And all of a sudden he's playing, you know, good hockey for them and ends up on their third pair because a couple of guys have moved their way up and uh, it's he's worth more to them to keep than trading him at next year's deadline for a third round pick or whatever it may be. Like this is the okay, part well, where so, I think so, a lot of people perfect. are looking at it just like you just did, yeah. Tony, and said, okay, you could keep him for another year and you're going to trade him guaranteed between then and now. It's not guaranteed. There's a lot that can happen between now and then. And what's yeah. going to happen over the next 11 days is somebody's going to miss out on Tanev and an offer could come across yeah. the table that would be perfect. the best offer you are going to get for that player. Okay. So um, I don't think they're going to make – well – Put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs next year. But if I were a betting man, I wouldn't bet on them to make the playoffs next year. But there's a possibility, obviously. I mean, we're way early here's on the that deal. one, right? Like, well, we, well, we, are, we are. We, we, we don't know what yeah. they're going to look like you know, after okay. the summer. There's a lot that's going to happen between You're now right. and then. There's a lot that can happen, yes. But there's a lot that can happen because they're handcuffed by some terrible contracts that nobody wants. Nobody wants Brendan Gallagher right now. Nobody wants Josh Anderson right now. Chances are no one's going to want Dvorak, uh, but he'll have one year left on his deal. So maybe who knows? Armia will have one year left on his deal. But I, if I were a betting man, I would say that Dvorak will go at the deadline. Armia will go at the deadline. And, um, you know, th there's some bad contracts here. So th there's some things where they're going to be handcuffed. But if a team wants David Savard now, they know that they're going to have to have David Savard for that final year of his contract next year. $3.5 million isn't the end of the world. I hear you. He has slowed down considerably. Now, he has his strengths for sure. You just talked about him. That guy, he's all heart. He'll block a puck with his ankle, with his hand, with his wrist, with his nose, with his mustache, with his, with his teeth. He's all heart. I, just, I don't think the only way you end up getting better player, better value for a player who's on the decline when he has a one year left on his deal instead of before the deadline is that there are there's a team out there that thinks that they can win the Stanley Cup if they add that player or they can go very far. That could be the case. But I would imagine that there'll be as many teams that will probably be thinking that next year. So I add it all up. I say... Savard will have one year left on his What's contract. your reason for keeping him? My reason if an for offer keeping comes him? Across the if an offer comes across the table that Kent Hughes should actually yeah. consider, and again, yeah. I want to preface it, can't really get into the specifics of what that offer might look like without seeing the market yeah. get set by the player in Chris Tanev in Calgary who's going to set the market. But if an offer comes across the table that Kent Hughes looks at and says, okay, I, this is on the table right now. It's not guaranteed to be on the table a year from now. Yeah. What is the equation that he's got to figure out in his mind in terms of why he would keep Savard? This is this is what the equation What's the value? is. The equation. This is what the equation is. The equation is: is Lane Hudson going to make them? Is uh, is Logan Mayu going to make the Montreal Canadiens next year on the right side? Is David Reinbacher going to make the Montreal Canadiens on the right side? Now, if they don't, still not the end of the world. You still have Kovacevic. You still have Baron, and you still have Gooley that's playing right defense. I get that. So it all depends on where the other defensemen are and who falls into place. Look, I've, I've said this before, that if I get really good value for David Savard, I'm going to trade him. My gut tells me it's going to go next year. That's all. 
But if I were to get really good value from him, I would trade him. And next okay. year, if so I have Gouli on right D and I have Kovacevic and I have Barron, so be it. Or and you maybe sign a f- another free agent in the summer or what, or, you know, I don't know what what the future beyond, you know, these next few months really holds. It's I don't think anybody could say for sure. But I think there's a lot of people out there that are saying, look, this guy's mentorship is too valuable to the team. But ignoring that all the things that he's brought that have been of value, like all these young players have already benefited from it. You have to ask yourself how much more are they going to between now and next year. And maybe the answer is enough that you hold on to the player. Especially if an offer doesn't come across the table that really makes you say, you know, if somebody's going to offer the Canadians a a third round pick and a a B prospect that probably never has a chance of playing in the NHL, I don't think they're even considering that. But, you know, you start to get into a second round pick for David Savard at this stage of his career and maybe a B prospect that comes in the deal or uh second and a third or something of that nature or maybe you're asked to retain some money on david savard's contract for this year and next year and that sweetens the deal that you're able to make i think that would be very hard for ken hughes to turn away from and that's not disrespecting what the player has brought to the canadians he has done uh you know i think if you were asked to retain half his salary you could end up getting more it's just you you have to you have to look at it from all these different angles and you brought up a really important one what does it look like on the ice without him um not just you know that there are uh, all that stuff right yeah you know there's some members of the media that want to see david savard's contract extended for three more years i I don't know who they are but i would remind them that he's 33 years old and um you know a big factor in why if the right deal is on the table you you take it is because um, it's very unlikely he's going to get better from here to the trade deadline next year. Like, yeah, I think I think you're looking at it. I can't say exactly how Ken Hughes is looking at it, but I know how I would look at it, and it's that I don't think this player is going to get much better. And what I have to decide is: has he already given us everything we could hope for out of what he does for our team? that the right offers on the table and move him, or maybe he has some more to give in terms of he hasn't touched on Reinbacher and Hudson and Mayu and some of these guys that are going to get some experience over the next year. And we don't have another guy quite like him. And we still value that experience and what he's able to do and what yeah. he's done for our other young players. And if that's the case, you, you make that decision between now and March 8th. And it's with the knowledge that, he might play out his contract here without a new one on yeah. the books for him moving forward. Yeah. You know, he might just play out his yeah. contract and that's the way it goes and you won't move him by next deadline. And you're hoping that you're competitive enough to make the playoffs and you get even better value out of him, that he's a valuable contributor on your third pair. But, you know, when you talk about what the prices might be and what it might generate and how teams across the league might look at a player like him, like it was two years ago or, you know, three yeah. years ago that, Tampa gave up three picks to get him and, and yes. Matt Lashoff, who was a throw in a uh, throw in in a three way trade. Uh, one of them was yep. the first round pick. I'm not saying anybody is doing that this time around, but it was David Savard yep. at 25 percent of his salary. And if you're looking at David Savard at 50 percent of his salary over the next two years, there's a sweetener involved in that, and that's something that yep. I don't know if I'm Ken Hughes. I think he's already given my guys 
everything they could hope to get from his experience that they can carry that forward. Like, yeah, so I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Everything, Tony. Just ahead. one example of what I'm talking about. Like speaking with Kate and Gooley today and talking about that block shot that Savard had where he's in no man's land, Meyer's coming in, he's going to take a stinger for sure, and he doesn't even flinch. He doesn't move. And Gooley said something that was like it might as well have come out of David Savard's mouth. He said, well, you know, I've said this before, but I'd, I'd rather take the pain of blocking that shot than feel the pain of seeing the puck hit the back of the net. That's what David Savard has helped impart. Of course, Caden Gooley has a bit of that inside of him, no doubt. But Savard has already imparted that on not only Gooley, but Struble, Jack Guy, Kovacevic, Harris, all these guys that have been around him for the last two years. And and not just Savard, like, you know, Joel Edmondson before him, who was here. They've all they're all carrying forward some of that experience that those guys have given them. So it's not like a Oh no, if you lose that, you you don't have it. Like it, it carries forward just like Sean Monahan's imprint on the team carries forward too. Yeah. Now, um Savard's a gamer, like I told you. Um I think his value and what he brings, I think it's a little bit overblown. A little bit, little bit. Um I think everything you said before was logical. He's 33. It's on the decline a little bit. Let's be honest. They're a rebuilding team. Uh, you can get value for a player like that because a lot of teams would love to add him to their third pairing of defense. And he is a player who played on a team that won the Stanley Cup. His contract is up in a year. And chances are the Montreal Canadiens are not going to renew that contract. Uh, but when I told you that a couple of members of the media would like to see him extended three years, unfortunately, they don't look at the age. They don't look at all the things we just talked about. They don't even think of any logic whatsoever. For them, here's the deal. Nick Suzuki is not a francophone. Cole Caulfield is not a francophone. Who are we talking Yuri about? Yuri Slavkovsky, right Brendan Gallagher, Jake Evans, Alex Newhook, Josh Anderson. Katie I haven't Hull, heard of anybody. I haven't heard anybody who covers the team on the daily and is on the beat of the Canadians advocating in this way. Am I missing something? Not a daily, but there are members of the media who have, uh, you know, radio shows, TV shows, podcasts, who have said okay. that they'd like to see him extended for three years. Okay, so just so we're clear. It's for them, he is, he's, 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 the yeah, but what's the difference? A member of the media is a member there of the media. There is a big difference. difference whether... there, there is a difference. Like, are they people what, just what, shooting what? off at the hip, or are they people no, that no, are but I mean, like covering the team? Well, I mean, okay, so... I can't see anybody uh, who's covering the team saying that stuff. It doesn't no, even no, make sense. No, I, no, I... I I understand, but I mean, there are people that cover the team that say a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense too. Sure, okay. I mean, they're not always right. <laughs> you know, okay. they're not always right. All I right. have a lot of respect for a lot. Of, I have a lot of respect for their like. I have a lot of respect for a lot of members of the media, but there's some that cover the team on a daily, and they don't always get all the scoops, do they? No. Listen, I love. There's, there's, I love. You know, I, it's impossible not to like the player. It's impossible not to like the heart that he shows and as a homegrown player, what he does um, and the value of having homegrown players in Montreal, no doubt. Um, but other teams value what the player brings also, and they should. You know, when I asked Marty St. Louis today if he could compare what Savard brings in tangible and tangible on the ice yeah. to a player that he played with, 
on the Stanley Cup winning team in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And yeah. he immediately turned to Dave uh, Dave Andrushuk, who the Lightning yeah. never would have won the Cup that year without that player. And you could argue that Savard, you know, you said, I don't know how many teams look at Savard as the missing piece, but the Lightning did in 2021. You know, like they viewed him as we yeah. get this guy, he turns our third pair into a, a much better pairing and he could play up the lineup if we need him to. And they won the Cup. You know, like... There's going to be teams out there that look at Chris Tanev that way this year. And there's going to be teams that miss on him and value Savard that way. And I think they should because there's not a lot of players who would do what he did on Saturday and do it consistently and does it every single night. He's not a perfect player. He's not a perfect puck mover. He's not a great skater. He's a little slower. He can be on the ice against for quite a few goals in a penalty-killing situation. But all that is taken into consideration that he's playing above his head in Montreal, and if he's properly slotted on a different team, he makes that team better. Teams know that. And like when I talk about it, I'm not I'm not bringing it up as saying, like, oh, I think teams know that. Like I speak to teams that value the player. So I think Got it's, it. it's going to be interesting what happens here. And Kent Hughes is going to have a difficult decision. I told you how I would handle it. You talked about how you would handle it. We'll see how he yeah. handles it and what he thinks about what the player's value is to his own team versus what it is on the market. So in about a minute, we'll move on from David Savard. Um, we spent so much time on David Savard. Jeez, I get the feeling he's Raymond Bork. Okay, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I do want to hear... He's, I mean, it's relax. Like, he's... Some on the team, sometimes the fourth. I mean, let's let's but it's let's one of the biggest easier. decisions that they have over the next 11 days, Tony. You can't ignore that. Like, that's what it that is. That I'll give you, yes, that I'll give you. And you did ask Marty St. Louis about his impact on the young defenseman. Let's hear that audio right now. Based on what he's giving to those guys, are you able to see and looking at your younger defensemen what they're taking? Are you have you seen? that they've already taken some of the things. Yeah, that I don't know if he can measure that, right? Yeah. But, and, and, you know, it, it might be something next month, next year, you know, that, that comes obvious. But if anything, the one thing they should absorb is how a veteran uh, behaves. And, you know, I think... You know, Savvy's a leader, and it's not – I think Savvy's been a leader for a long time. And leadership is not ranks. It's not ranks. Like, it's not ranks. Like, it's it's just uh, being able to lead. So if anybody, any young guys can retain anything from Savvy, it's like – because at some point they're going to be Savvy, and it's going to be their turn to pass it forward. What do you, what do you mean by it's not ranks? Well, it's not like it's not because you. It's not because I'm a head coach and I'm a good leader. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's not ranks. Like you know, Savvy is not a captain. You know, so, but there's great. Yeah, I was basically uh, saying you don't right. have to be appointed. You, you don't. You don't have to be appointed to be considered to be a, a leader. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, you don't have to be a captain or assistant captain to be considered a leader. Okay. Uh, Marty St. Louis was asked several questions today. We're going to get to a bunch of questions in a minute, though. Uh, Marty St. Louis was asked about his message and how it differs to players once the game is over uh, compared to what his message would be the following day at practice. Let's hear from him. C'est pas aussi avec autant de détachement. Okay, ouais. Ben, c'est parce qu'après le match, c'est encore les émotions de la game. Mais après chaque match, quand j'arrive dans mon bureau, j'ai quand même une perspective que si on a bien joué ou mal joué. Sans penser au résultat. Euh, mais c'est facile, de, après une victoire, de te faire convaincre tout de suite après la game que tu as bien joué. C'est facile après une défaite, suite après la game, de, 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 de te faire diriger. On a mal joué. Puis euh, je, fais ta, je fais attention à ça. Euh, mais comme une journée comme un matin, c'est, c'est moi, tout, tout, même si on aurait gagné ou perdu, tout part avec la vérité. Puis c'est ma vérité à moi, mes entraîneurs. T'sais, fait que il y, y a des fois que tu gagnes des matchs. Puis les meetings, mais c'est pas trop positif. Puis des fois, tu perds des matchs. Puis les meetings sont plus positifs qu'une game que tu as gagnée. Mais c'est toute la vérité. C'est comme ça que tu avances. Si euh, tu focuses juste sur le résultat final d'un match, puis tu penses que tout est correct ou tout va mal, mais c'est dur d'avancer, puis avoir de la constance, puis de t'améliorer. Parce que ça devient vraiment. C'est gris. C'est trop gris, là. On gagne, tout est correct. On perd, tout est mal. All right, I like the way you looked at that. And by the way, you know, Marty St. Louis is not unanimous. Some love him as a coach, some don't. Some realize that, you know what, he's good for the situation they're in right now. I think he's perfect for the situation they are in. I don't know in all the years that I cover the media if there's a coach that I relate to more or I kind of understand his reasoning in his answers more than St. Louis. I think it's very logical. I think it's very simple for those, for everyone to understand. And I like what he said. You know, it's not because you won a game that the message is going to be great. It's not because you lost a game that it's going to be terrible. Sometimes my message after a loss is actually more positive than my message could be after a win. And you're never as good as your last game and you're never as bad as your last game. So I think it's pretty good. Yeah, like but you know said. what? I, I like the question because the question is being asked because it becomes harder for a coach to sell the truth about the process and the reality of the process when the result is not there for an extended period of time. Canadians have lost five games in a row, five games that if you look at the underlying numbers, they could have won, five games where they've probably played better hockey, like I said off the top of the show, than they have in a lot of their wins this year. And they can remind themselves on that on a Monday and and it probably feels different than it did on Saturday after they lost their fifth game in a row, but it becomes a bit harder for the players to digest and believe in if the result doesn't come on their side. And, 
especially after an extended streak. And that's why I said, you know, like their fans want them to lose to Arizona tomorrow, see them drop into 28th place, see that race end up where the Canadians secure the best, you know, draft odds between now and the end of the season. And Marty is all about the process and the truth about the process and all that. But I'll tell you, you know, listening to him after Saturday's game, he said something different that I think is just the competitive nature of a coach and speaks for his players as well. That he said at some point it needs to flip. He for once was talking about the result and not just the process. And they need a result. They they could play like shit tomorrow, but if they win, they'll feel a lot better than if they play really well and lose for a sixth time in a row, especially to an Arizona team that has lost 12 straight games. So I liked where that question was coming from, and I understand Marty's mentality. I like the way he thinks about things, but he's also a fierce competitor, and when he said it needs to flip at some point on Saturday, that's because a part of him knows like the result needs to change for us to, to keep selling to our players that they're doing good things here. Yeah. Mind you, four-point game tomorrow, and I know that culture that you've talked about is a culture that you want to go out and win every game, but I'm telling you, I think whoever wins tomorrow loses. I know. I think they know that, too. I think they feel that. I think they feel that. They don't feel that. If they felt it, they wouldn't start Montembeau tomorrow. They do. They do feel it. They That's the, that's the thing. You know, it's got to be hard to be a player in a market where for two and a half years your fans are rooting against you winning. Oh, sure, they want you to entertain them and all that stuff. Um, but in a game like tomorrow's, I'm not saying they feel it like they agree and they should lose the game because if they win, they're really the losers. But I'm sure they'd love to screw up everybody's tank plan here and, and win the game. And And nobody likes losing five games in a row or 12 games in a row. No, and I'll tell you, man, likes losing. I, I guarantee you both those teams are going to go into that game tomorrow wanting to win it, to put an end to those streaks, and as a bit of a middle finger to all the people who think they're better off losing. That's Okay, 24 I, I don't know about left. you, Tony. Like, I yeah. agree with the reality of that. I understand how people feel about it. I don't – I wouldn't want – if I was coaching or the general manager of a team, I would not want my players going into a game thinking it's okay to lose. Like, it's just, it's not, we talk about culture and like that is the most damaging thing to culture possible. And uh, I don't know if it's happening with the senators right now. I've seen it, I think happen with the Sabres for a number of years. I think it happened with the Oilers for a long time. Uh, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's a good thing at all. So I'll never be that person, even if I could see, even if I am the first person to admit that obviously the better draft odds you have, the better chance you have of getting, you know, an elite talent. And I understand the value in that too. I get that. Uh, All right. Okay. So now 24 games left. Marty St. Louis was asked, what's the objective? Honnête, 
qui aide l'équipe à gagner. C'est... Euh, on ne pas à regarder le, le classement, c'est de continuer à progresser comme équipe. Puis ça prend des vraies intentions. All right, OK, there you have it. Um, it all depends on what the... Um, it all depends. It's just about having the right intentions, right? And Marty Saint-Louis talks about, yeah, we want to win every game. We also want to have the right intentions every game. All right, so you text me this morning and you said, Tony, you know, there's a bunch of people that have a bunch of questions. Let's get to them. Uh, so let's get to them. Why don't we do that? Love it. All right, okay. Pierre-Luc, who do you think has the most chances of being our number one left-handed D for years to come, Gooley or Hudson? Well, I'll go with Gooley, um, and that's not a knock on Hudson. I just – I think Gooley has the makeup of a player that, you know, game on the line or from beginning to end, you just – you want him out on the ice against the best players, the opposition, and I see a player that's only going to grow offensively. You know, Marty was talking today about what he looks for in a defenseman and what can be coached moving forward, and it's, you know, play hard in your own end and make a good first pass. If you start with that as your base – The rest of it can be worked on. And, man, like Gooley has all that and more. Uh, I, I just I think he's developing into a really good player, and I see more number one potential in him than I do in Hudson. But, obviously, Hudson's offensive potential is enormous, and I, I see him being a bit more of a specialist who can actually hold his own defense. I think what Hudson is going to prove is that he has the floor that the Canadians hope he has. And if he does, he'll turn into a star defenseman in this league. And I, I think he will. Uh, from an offensive perspective, I think there will be enough there to mitigate whatever yeah. issues he might have defensively. And I think yeah. he'll be more solid defensively than a lot of people are assuming. So I say this. Hudson has a bigger ceiling. I think yeah. Hudson has a bigger ceiling. That doesn't mean that's going to be my answer because obviously it would take a tremendous amount of courage to say Hudson, who was drafted 62nd over Gooley, who was drafted, I think, was he 16th or something like that? Um, um, it, it would take a lot of courage. One is smaller. You know, the other one's a lot bigger, uh, a lot stronger. There are some doubts whether Lane Hudson is going to be able to fight off uh, big forwards at the National Hockey League level. Doubts that maybe even Kent Hughes himself has right now and won't be answered until he actually gets here. And then we'll find out. Um, uh, Lane Hudson will probably put up more points, but Caden Gooley will probably be on a first pairing shutdown uh, in the playoffs in big games. So it's maybe hard they'll to play together. Gooley, I think. Maybe they'll play together. Do you see Morgan Riley? Gooley's playing right side. Yeah. Like Morgan Riley's a really, really good player, but do you see him as like a like an elite number one defenseman? I, I see Morgan Riley. I see Lane Hudson more in like the mold of like a Morgan Riley than I do as like a complimentary, complimentary. And I, and I see Caden Gooley more as like a Drew Dowdy than or Petrangelo. Sure, yeah, maybe not yeah. as much offense. Although I think he does have more offense in him than you know he's produced in his first. He he's actually produced decently well for his first season and a half or two seasons or however long it's been season and a half, but. Uh, Yeah, I see Hudson more as like that Morgan Riley type of defenseman. So when you're asking who I see is more of a number one, I think Gooley fits more of that bill. I'm not sure either of them will be a number one, to be honest with you, but I like Gooley's yeah. potential to be one more. Let's get to the next question. 
this one here, uh, I, I would love it if the usernames could actually be names that I can make any sense of. You know, what, what would this one be? GR uh, Home Store. Yeah. How worried are you about Cole's low shooting percentage? He's at 8.6 now, and that's very low for him. It was lower at one point this year. I think it was, uh, what was it, uh, seven something. But anyway, how worried are you, uh, Eric? Um, I won't dismiss it completely and say that it's not something that should be a little concerning when it's that far off what what you'd expect it to be and that far off the mark of what it was before. Um, but I think with a full summer under his belt between now and next season and uh, just everything that he's added to his game, I expect to see that number come up again. So I, I don't think it's – I'd be worried if it extends into next year. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm going to say this. When players have injuries, the following year is usually difficult and a drop in production. Cole Caulfield will bounce back next year. And I'm going to go with Caulfield. And I know a lot of people have said Caulfield to score 40 goals already. I'm going to go with Caulfield to score 35 next year. And I'm going to go with Caulfield to score 40 the year after that. Uh, my God, I'm already looking ahead two years down the line. All right, next question. Right here on the Sick Podcast with Marinero. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Tell your friends, brothers, sisters, fathers, aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, grandmother, grandfather. Basically tell everybody. Uh, we want to have as many subscribers as we can so we can have as many people here on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitter Live, so they can engage and we can all talk and Origin Canada. Historically, Montreal has had a hard time attracting players to come play here. Has this really changed? If not, will it now with this new management and culture? I like Eric? this question. I like it. I like it a lot. And the answer might sound like a cop-out, but we're only going to find out for sure over the next couple of years when the Canadians actually start chasing them. Um, but my opinion, I think they're much more equipped to go get some of these players. I think Marty St. Louis is the number one selling point for me. I think there's a lot of players around the league who have noticed what he's doing, what his approach is, the things that he sells. And you, you, you know, not every hockey player is as tuned in. Some of them are, they stay completely away from hockey when they're not playing it. Yeah. But there's a lot of players in the league who pay attention to absolutely everything going on everywhere. There's a lot of players on the Canadians yeah. who do the same outside of the league. You know, a lot of them on the road, they get together. They'll be in one player's room watching games from across the league. They know what's going on. And the word about mm -hmm. Marty St. Louis has definitely gotten out there. And I, I think there's a lot of players who look at him and say, if I have a chance to play for that guy, I could be I could be something. And I think they also see what the Canadians are building. Um, and they'll, they'll get a better – I think Kent Hughes is another factor, uh, a guy that from the agent side should be well-equipped to sell – players now neither hughes nor saint louis there's certain factors for both of them that are out of their control you know if certain players don't want to come to canada in general that's something that they'll have a hard time fighting against and convincing somebody to do uh montreal and what it means to be here that's another challenging hurdle that they'll have to overcome but i have to think that the players that they'll pursue they'll have already targeted and say okay this guy would probably like to be in an environment like this not specifically yeah. montreal but they they're at least yeah not 
poking their nose into places where they think they're going to get bit by a rattlesnake. So I, I, I like their chances of doing better, but we won't know for sure until they start to pitch players. And right now, yeah, I think they're still, I think they're still like over a year away from that process starting to unfold where they chase some big name uh, free agents. Uh, listen, uh, I think at least a year and a half away, I think it could be more like three years personally. And that, you know, you talked about Marty St. Louis being the biggest selling point. Marty St. Louis might not be here in three years from now. I mean, uh, once again, I mean, he just, he signed on with the Canadians as an oh, interim. I think coach. by next summer, man, like by next summer, they're, they're, they could very well be dipping into free agency. I think it just, you have to line it up with, what the age is of Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki and Kirby Doc and the guys that are already here and where they're going. So when you said a year and a half, I think you're much more on it than three years from now in terms of dipping into free agency. I think the once they, I think the process. Not saying that they fill out their entire team in a year and a half, no. but I think they start. You know, there's money coming off the books in the summer of 2025 where they'll have an opportunity. So let's talk about that money coming off the books. Okay, let's just say David Savard is gone. That's three and a half. Let's just say Yoel Armia is gone. That's 3.4. So three and a half and 3.4, you're at 6.9. Let's just say Jake Allen is gone at 3.875. Now you're at, what, 10.775, I believe, if my math is correct. And let's just say that um, uh, Dvorak is gone at 4.4. So you're at 10.7 and 4.4. Now you're at like five, what, 15.15.2. Then there's Tanner Pearson. Uh, You're at about 19, 18, 19 million dollars, I would think. Um, Are there others? You're at about 18, 19 million dollars. But there's a couple of contracts, of course, that have to be extended by that time. Gouli and Slavkowski. Gouli and Slavkowski have to be extended. Jack, I mean, Jack, how much money I do you think? Need a, Jack, I only need a new contract. Uh, there's there's a couple guys who yeah. need new contracts, but at the end of the day, a year after that, Carey Price will be off the books. Uh, like there's there's yeah. opportunities that start to come about a year from now. There's some that come this summer in terms of the trade market, and then the following summer, all those players that you mentioned that are fully off the book, Pearson's off by the end of this season perhaps even yes. in the next 11 days. Um, but Oh, that's right. He's got uh, he's got 3.25 this year, and then his contract yeah. is over. Yes, so, correct. That is well, correct. Yes. Anyways, just to say that the first real look that they might have into the unrestricted free agent market at a legit player will be mm-hmm. in the summer of 2025. That'll be when they first dip their toe into those waters before then it doesn't really make sense for them. It doesn't line up with their timeline. They're going to pay eight years for a guy who's 26, 27, 28 coming into his prime years. And I say 26, 27, 28, because depending on when they came into the league, it's seven years yeah. or until they get to a certain age, it has to line up with what they have, you know, because it has to line up with when they're ready to contend. And they have to know that, when they're buying those players at those ages, that it's the first four years or so out of the eight or seven years that they end up under contract for that they have to take advantage of. So summer of 2025 is when that starts. And then you can go through 26, 27 and that team will 
hopefully be rounded out. And yeah, I, I mean, if all goes well into plan, Marty St. Louis will be a, be a big part of that. And so will Kent Hughes. If all doesn't go to plan, then maybe both of them will be gone by the time we get yeah. to there. So we'll see. Another, uh, Another 833000 and change, I think, coming off the books as well. It's the last buyout year for Alzner. Is it not? 23-24? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't look that it's the last buyout it. year for Alzner. For yeah. Let's get to more questions. A couple more. Uh, Blue Deuce 2, do you think next September, Kent Hughes hands this team over to the young prospects, even if they may not be ready, like they did with Slaff, in order to let them grow as a team together? Well, that goes hand in hand with what you were talking about and letting Savard go, right? Yeah, I think and and also there's other service there, there's other serviceable veterans that you could potentially bring in to Montreal to bridge the gap if you need to. You know, like I think they're going to have the same mentality they had this year and that's why they waived Armia at the beginning of the year and you know, he ended up back with the team, but the idea was we're not going to block spots for young players to potentially earn their way onto the team. And that, ha- that has to be a big factor. And I like the way that question frames it because he's talking about the team growing together. I think that opportunity will also be there in Laval. It's, there's not an urgency to have it happen in Montreal. There are going to be enough young, talented players who are part of the future that are playing in Laval, even if it's just their first mm-hmm. year. They're not going to rush Reinbacher into the NHL next year just because he's played a couple of years of pro hockey and he's professionally uh, seasoned a bit. Like, see what he can do in Laval, and if he proves that he belongs on the team, they'll be thrilled to give him that opportunity. But they're not going to block his path to doing it before he even gets that chance, right? So I think it all it all depends on who the players are we're talking about. One like one player you look at yeah. in circle and say like it's already happening is, is Joshua Hua. Like that's kind of a a really I like him. great story I like him. so far and and he's being given that opportunity to continue to show that he belongs up here and I think he's taking advantage of it. So that's yeah. why you don't want to block those spots. So I think that's their mentality. Top six potential for me. I see him as one of the wingers on the second line. And let's just say you keep Suzuki, Caulfield, and Slavkowski together. Doc, Joshua Roy, eventually, if not next year, the year after. But I think Kent Hughes has to do uh, what he did in acquiring Doc and what he did in acquiring Newark, and that is take a couple of draft picks and trade them to get a full-time second liner to play with Kirby Doc or maybe a player to play with Suzuki and Caulfield, and all of a sudden Slavkowski ends up with Doc. You never know. I kind of like Slavkowski with Suzuki and Caulfield because you have a bigger winger complementing a, a, a line with a, a five foot eleven centerman and a five foot seven winger. Uh, they all they obviously have amazing chemistry together right now. Uh, I think Slavkowski starting to shoot the puck a lot better, so now it gives Suzuki a different option. Doesn't always have to look at Cole. By the way, I love the fact that Suzuki is shooting the puck. So much more lately, and I wish I had stats to back that up or data in front of me right now, but it just seems that every chance that he gets, he is shooting that puck, and his shot is becoming, uh, it's, it's a pretty, un- it's a very difficult shot to stop. You just, you you don't know if he's going high, if he's going low, if he's going five hole. Um, he he disguises it well. the shot pretty well. Yeah, he really does. He really does. He disguises uh, it well, and he's... Uh... He's not afraid to shoot it. I think he makes the right play one way or the other most of the time. 
You know, like whether it's shoot or pass, he chooses the right great option. Great player. He's a yeah. great player. And he's accurate yeah. too. Uh, yeah, and we we made some pretty great dips uh, for uh, for um, Hellman's mayonnaise. We made some pretty good dips. All right, okay. Um, let's go one or two more. Lori Ten Habs, if the 2022 deadline was hot for the Habs and the 2023 deadline was cold, where will the 2024 deadline land? Lukewarm. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, the obvious answer is somewhere right in the middle. And I really like yeah. Lori. She's one of my favorite Canadians fans because she has a real uh, tempered view. Uh, she doesn't get too emotional one way or the other, and she's very smart as an analyst. And I, uh, I read a lot of her opinions on on Twitter, and she writes in different places. And she uh, she's certainly been very supportive of my work and a lot of other people that she appreciates reading in the market. And I think it's cool. Um, and she probably knows the answer that it's somewhere in between, right? Like, there's no, you know, we talked a lot about Savard. He may go, he may not go. The fact is, Kent Hughes is in a position where he can choose. He doesn't necessarily have to do it. Um, same thing with Jake Allen. Everybody wants to see him go and the three goaltender thing solved. And I don't think the Canadians are that stressed about it. Like, honestly, they'd love to resolve that between now and the deadline. But if they don't, they'll resolve it by the summer and they're not concerned about that. Um, yeah, you, know, you look at the other options, Tanner Pearson, he's not going to bring back anything too special if he ends up moving and maybe potentially somebody takes him. Uh, they might have to take something back from here to the end of the year to do it. I don't know if they'd want to use their only retention slot left to trade him. So who knows? There's Jordan Harris. There's Jonathan Kovacevic. Could one of them end up moving to move uh, to make a young player, you know, slot in like if it's Hudson between now and the end of the season? There's a lot of maybes here, and there's a potential that if the business doesn't get done at the deadline, the last couple of seasons have shown that it's not it's not a terrible thing for the Canadians. They'll manage to do business. Ken Hughes, last year, everybody looked at the deadline and said, hmm, there's not that much that's going to happen, and he was still able to turn it into quite a few interesting things in the summer. So, They could be a third-party broker. Yeah, that could be the one way they use their retention slot that remains, yeah. right? Um, I just think if they move Allen and Savard, say both those guys move, I would say that at least one of them, that's where it gets used up. And you know what? Hughes has tried to be in that third-party broker seat a couple times already, and yeah. it hasn't really happened, and the teams that kind of beat him to it didn't didn't get paid all that much to do it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Of course, you always want to have the flexibility to be that team. And if it's really yeah. worth it, the right party, you might end up squeezing something out of it for free yeah. just to take a salary for the, for the rest of the season. Um, but I don't know. Like you look at the assets the Canadians have to move. Chances are they have to retain on one of the players they're moving out to sweeten a deal that, you know, for Jake Allen to go with nothing retained on his contract and no bad contract coming back or whatever it is, what's that going to cost? A fifth round pick, a fourth round pick for the kid? Yeah. You know, they don't care. Yeah. It's not like Kent Hughes is sitting there saying, you better give me a first round pick for, you know, Jake Allen, no retention. But if he offers to take half his salary or take back a player that even costs more on Montreal's cap for this year and next year, well, yeah. that price that price is going to go up significantly. So 
we'll see how that that's like almost the spiciest thing about this deadline now is like what they're going to do with that final retention slot so when you ask if it's you know if it's hot like 2022 or cold like 2023 like you said Tony, yeah. lukewarm is probably the the word if uh you ask me for a prediction tonight on monday february 26th uh for trade deadline on friday march 8th i will tell you that uh, i don't think savard's going to be traded and i don't think Allen's going to be traded but we'll see what happens because like uh, you said i mean it just we can't know what other teams are thinking I mean, a goalie goes down between now and March 8th. Two goalies go down between now and March 8th. A couple of defensemen go down between now and March 8th. All of a sudden, it changes everything. Um, I would say I would put it this way. I think Allen's going to be very tough to move, and I think Savard, they'll just decide to hang on for one more year. Yeah, I would put it this way. I, I would say if both of them remain with the Canadians post-deadline, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me at all. But I think there's a much stronger chance that Savard will move than Allen. And I wouldn't discount sure. the possibility that both of them end up out. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like, I think, I think a young defense, I think if you were to ask me for the most safe bet here, one of their young defensemen could move. And another thing that I, one thing that could make this a little bit spicier. Yeah. Don't discount the possibility of Kent Hughes bringing a piece in that, doesn't necessarily help them for now, but possibly could, but definitely helps them for the future. Don't don't be surprised if that potentially it's unlikely it happens between now and March eighth, but don't be surprised if that happens. There's a lot of stuff that's going out that'll happen the at the draft. There, there are that'll I know at the draft. I, Tony, I know. Yeah. I'm not talking about a massive move like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there might be opportunities to improve the Canadians, and I. I, I think they are potentially on the market considering mm-hmm. how certain teams view themselves and how they're looking to retool things and where the Canadians have an abundance on defense, as everybody knows, and where they have a need. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. If you're looking for a monster move or whatever, that could happen more, more that that's more likely to happen between now and draft day or right before free agency. Yeah. But I will say, there's a lot of stuff that's going on around the market that there could be an opportunity that presents itself that Ken Hughes could make the Canadians better, not just for now and for the rest of the season, which he's not all that interested in, but for the yeah. future. I will say this. You talked about Jake Allen and said you don't think he's going to get traded before the deadline either, but you wouldn't be shocked if he did. They're going to have to, they're going to have to, they're going to have to send over some money. Jake Allen has one more year left on his contract next year at $3.875 million. He's having statistically the worst season of his career. His 368 goals against average is the worst season of his career. Okay. His 512 and three record is the worst season of his career. Part of that and is factored into part of that is factored into the team that's in front of him. Uh, which even Sam Montebo has struggled a bit with over the last month, despite the fact that they played good hockey. Um, and like, I'm not, I'm not diminishing that Jake has affected his own value. But again, like if Jake was moving on his own without any retention or any player coming back here, they wouldn't be looking for anything more than like a fifth or fourth round, like fifth round pick. Like, so yeah, they they know what he is, but other teams. I think there's a limited market anyways for Jake Allen in terms of you just look at the way certain teams have stabilized in nets. Like I don't think there's that many teams that could potentially go after him. 
but I'm not saying it's impossible that he'll move between now and then. Right? And if he doesn't, by well, the way, the, even the if he doesn't, by this summer, yeah. he probably will. So, Yeah, well, the two other goalies uh, who are here, along with Allen, Montembeau, and Primo, they play for the same team. They got better goals against average. They got better save percentage. They got a better winning percentage. And combined, and, and combined, they make less than half of what Allen makes this year. Okay. Yeah, he's had bet. They've had better goal support also. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Like, if you're looking at any teams that are interested in picking up Jake Allen, you're right. Most likely, they're sending back a contract the other way, and maybe even one that's more expensive than the one Allen is on. So we'll we'll see what it ends up being. And if that ends up being the case and Kent Hughes is then able to squeeze out a pretty decent draft pick out of that deal to do that, good for him. If he if he isn't, I don't think he will do it and he'll just wait for the summer when somebody will be willing to take on the final year of Jake's contract and just roll the dice on it. Eric, always a great exchange of opinions and ideas, backed up by a lot of facts, and we answered a heck of a lot of questions, so we made a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans happy tonight. Thanks, man. Enjoy the hockey game tomorrow. I just hope either way we see a lot of goals. 24 games left. Give me goals, man. Give me goals. Give me Mm -hmm. goals. I want to see goals. That's what I want to see, entertaining hockey. We'll talk to you soon, my man. See you, buddy. Cheers, bud. All right, there you have it. Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. All right. Uh, Marinero, uh, once again, special thanks to Energy Transportation Group. Special thanks to Labitta TB and special thanks to Playground. Special thanks to all of you watching My Sick Army, My Sick Community on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell your friends about it. Um, I think we have a pretty good Montreal Canadiens podcast that uh, for the last couple of years now, has gone, uh, what, about a year and a half, two years, has gone, uh, what, five nights a week. Um, we went um, 12 months a year, pretty close. And Yellow, I don't think we're doing that this year. I shouldn't say that live, but uh, I, I think I want to tour the world in the month of August. But anyway, you and I will have a chance to talk about that. What I do know is I'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place, and I'll be back right after the Montreal Canadiens and the Arizona Coyotes. And my guest tomorrow night, who's a regular collaborator on Tuesdays, is former Montreal Canadian. From La Poche Bleu, Maxime Lapierre. Thank you so much for watching. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana, and Master Control, they are Cavallaro, and I am Tony Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.